0: The following is a presentation of A's Cast, your free 24 7 non stop destination for A's baseball. Go to athletics.com slash A's Cast to download the app. Restrictions apply. This is green and gold history 50 plus years of stories, championships, and colorful characters. A's are the world champions. This is A's Baseball. This is Green and Gold History. Welcome to Green and Gold History here on A's Cast, powered by TuneIn. We continue with our series of top 10 all-time going position by position for the Oakland Athletics. He's our A's historian, Dave Feldman, with us once again. Feldy, it's hard to believe we're in the offseason. We've been doing this for over a full season, and we have not tackled center field yet.
1: No, this will be our uh... First look at the top 10 center fielders in Oakland A's history, and again, a rich tradition with a couple of huge names who patrolled the outfield there at the Coliseum.
0: Oh, I absolutely love it. But before we do the top 10, we always got to remember some of our friends who didn't make the top 10. We have our honorable mention.
1: Honorable mentions. We start with George Hendrick. Very Few people remember George Hendrick with the A's, but he was playing for the A's in the 72 World Series out in center field Uh, before he went on to a long career with the Angels and Cardinals and wearing his pants all the way down to his shoes. Uh, Also from those early 70s, Angel Manuel, who was part of all three World Series championship teams. How about from the Bay Area, Willie McGee came over in 1990 to play center field the last two months. How about Eric Fox? Known for his big home run in the Metrodome in '92. Uh, Rich Becker, the speedy Billy Burns.
0: Billy Burns.
1: <laughs> from, from Concord, Damon Maceur. Jason McDonald. Current A's coach, Ryan Christensen. Current ESPN broadcaster, Chris Singleton. Uh, the brainy one, Sam Fold. And a couple of recent guys, Jacob Bruckman,
0: And how about Boog Powell? Not the legendary Baltimore Oriole Boog Powell. No, no, the left-handed
1: swinging Boog Powell, who did have a couple big home runs for the A's a few seasons ago, but uh, really didn't make his mark. Not quite like the, the real Boog Powell.
0: You know, I think about Willie McGee, and obviously he had a phenomenal career, was an MVP, World Series champion with the St. Louis Cardinals. He actually didn't he play for many years after playing with the A's, even later on, even going back to St. Louis.
1: He did. And, you know, after the A's, he went to the Giants for four seasons, uh, and went back to St. Louis and is now a coach with the Cardinals. Uh, actually coached over, I believe, at the Valley College in Concord for a while. Uh William McGee was a great player, uh, switching center fielder. Uh, you know, you, the memory of him, the 82 World Series with the Cardinals. And he was an important acquisition for the A's in 90s because a guy we're going to talk about later, Dave Henderson, got hurt. And the A's needed outfield help. And to pull a trade for William McGee, this was the National League batting champion in 1990. He was the NL batting champ, and he finishes the year with the A's in Oakland. Uh, and an important player really helped the A's get to the World Series that season.
0: You know, I, I just brought it up and, and I'm looking at his numbers from when he was the MVP, and you think of players are not exactly juiced yet, balls not juiced, it's a speed game. He hit 353, 216 hits, had eighteen triples, eighteen triples, twenty-six doubles, ten dingers. Drove in 82 runs as a center fielder in the middle 80s. That's unheard of. And had an OPS of 8.87. Back in the day, when it was about speed, you talk about putting up those numbers. My And was Gold Glove. I mean, what a year he had in 85.
1: Yeah, he was such a dominant player with his speed, uh, defensively and offensively. And one of, his, one of the great A's memories. Uh, was him being on first base and an overthrow on a pickoff throw and him scoring. He scored from first on an overthrow on a pickoff, again, with the, the foul territory of the Coliseum, the ball gets down there. But he was so freaking fast. It was like a blur getting around the bases. Such a weapon was Willie McGee.
0: All righty. We get to our top 10 A center fielders all time here on Green and Gold History, number 10.
1: At number 10, we have a bit of a tie and I'll, I'll explain why in a second. First, we're going to start with Johnny Damon. Johnny Damon in 2001 comes over to the A's, and is going to be part of the A's outfield, but he starts off as a left fielder with the 0-1 A's. The A's get off to a bad start, and Johnny Damon gets off to a terrible start. He's hitting two twenty eight. This is a 300 hitting player. But then the A's move him to center field in June, and the A's take off. They go 62-24 and 24 down the stretch, Uh, Over 100 wins that season. And and Johnny Damon became what we know of Johnny Damon. Hit 283. he was still in bases, and he was playing terrific defense. He just didn't take to left field at all. And once they moved him to center field, then when the A's got to see the Johnny Damon that they hoped to. And now I know like a few other players, Johnny Damon leaves a bad taste in A's fans' mouths uh, because how good he was before and how good he was after he left the A's. And the A's didn't really get to see the best of him. But when you break it down and you look at that end of the one season, these really did get to see the best of Johnny Damon. He, he was terrific down the stretch in one
0: You know, Johnny Damon was recently on uh, Ace Cast Live, and he said the best thing about him coming to Oakland was this is where he actually learned how to win.
1: Yeah, for sure. You know, and you could take those lessons with you as he went to Boston and went with the Yankees. He didn't have that experience in Kansas City. Um, he learned how to win. And then – also equally a number 10 is a guy probably not thought of very much as an A's center fielder, also coming over from Kansas City. That was Willie Wilson. Willie Wilson, former batting champion in the AL, gold glove winner, two-time all-star, known for his speed. He comes over to the A's in the 91 season. And he's 36 years old, and he's a fourth outfielder, and he he's, he's plays okay. Still has 20 stolen bases. Not really a factor in the 91 A's. But 92 – Because of injuries, he's taken over in center field. And now at 37 years old, he's hitting .270. He's got 28 steals. But for me, he makes this list for one reason. One reason was a game in Arlington in August of 92 going against Nolan Ryan. Willie Wilson's leading off the seventh inning, and he takes a big swing, fouls the ball off, and Nolan Ryan just starts yelling at him. Like, how can you, this little slap-hitting center fielder, take such a big swing off me, Nolan Ryan? Next pitch, Willie Wilson triples. And he just starts yelling at Nolan Ryan. Just it's great. Willie Wilson's just giving it to him. So now we move ahead to the eighth inning. Willie's up to bat. Harold Baines on second base. There's two outs. And Nolan Ryan drills Willie Wilson. Just drills him. And for the first time, this is unbelievable to think about, a guy who started pitching in the big leagues, In the late 60s, and we're talking 1992, for the first time in his career, gets ejected, ejected for throwing at Willie Wilson for the first time. Fans are showering the field with cups. There's food wrappers. There's a 10-minute delay. Things are going crazy. Finally, the A's win the game. After the game, they go talk to Willie Wilson and one of the all-time great quotes. They ask about Nolan Ryan, and he says, Ryan thinks this is his country, his town, his stadium. But you know what? He's not a legend in my mind.
0: Wow. (laughs) What's he talking about? He is a legend. He's Nolan Ryan, for God's sakes.
1: (laughs) But in Willie Wilson's mind, he's just another pitcher that he's out to battle. It was great. And for Willie Wilson, he got a 92 team that won the AL West, and Willie Wilson was a big part of that. So he shares that number 10 spot with Johnny Damon.
0: You know what I love? I I have a good feeling this is going to be a good name list. Like, everybody on here is a name that you know and you know well.
1: Yeah, names and guys who were big factors in the A's. I mean, center fielder, as you know, center field's is a very, very important position on a baseball team. He's the captain of the outfield, and if you're going to win, you need a strong leadership from that center fielder.
0: Number eight. Oh, excuse me, number nine. Number nine
1: is Ernie Young. Ernie was the A's center fielder in the early 90s, from 94 to 97, Uh, might best be known for being the last batter of the 1994 season. I remember the strike year of 94. Everybody knew that baseball was going to walk out. The A's and Mariners were playing the last game, the last game of the night, and there's Ernie Young, the last hitter, going against Randy Johnson, the big unit, and Ernie keeps fouling off pitches. And I remember just you know, looking around at the other people in the, in the press box going, you know, if he can just keep fouling pitches off, this season's never going to end. Unfortunately, big unit finally struck him out, and, and we know the history with the strike. But Ernie comes back, and in 1996, has a really big year for the A's. Hits 19 homers, 64 runs batted in, has a three homer game batting leadoff. He's the only athletic ever with a three homer game batting out of the leadoff position. And also you think back to ninety six when the A started the season in Vegas, right? They played their first five or first six games in Las Vegas while they were still doing the Mount Davis construction. Uh, he started a triple play, making an incredible catch off the bat of Bobby Higginson of the Tigers, starts a triple play. Very young, a solid, solid A center fielder for three seasons there in the nineties.
0: Like it. Number eight.
1: Number eight the guy who's had a tremendous career when you think about it, and he was still active last year, showing up at the Mets and hitting a pinch-hit home run, that's Rajay Davis. You know, Rajay has played in the big leagues for 14 years now. He has 415 career stolen bases. And, of course, we all know playing for the Indians, a big Game 7 home run off of the world as Chapman. Uh, his time with the A's, he was solid. He was signed off of waivers when the Giants released him in 2008. In 2009, he hits over 300, hits 305, 41 steals, 2010, he hits 280, 50 steals, goes away to Toronto, a couple other clubs, comes back in 2017 to the A's, plays in over 100 games, that's 26 steals. I mean, Rajay Davis, besides being a tremendous human being, just a good all-around baseball player who is always productive when you put him on the field.
0: No, yeah. I mean, I think about Rajay, especially his time here. How many times did you say, Rajay, hit the ball on the ground? Please hit the ball. <laughs> Utilize your speed. Hit the ball on the ground.
1: He's a, he was, you know what? He was, he was a good baseball player, and he was good for the A's, and especially in the time in between you know, being the, the playoff team that they were, because of just his, his positive outlook on things, the his, his way he played defense, the way he came up with big hits, and just a factor. And there's, there's a reason that he's lasted this long in the big league. I mean, he came up with the Pirates, and he had a cup of coffee with the Giants, and it looked like his career was going to wash out. And here he is still playing, a test, testament to himself and just the type of person that he is.
0: Number seven.
1: The first overall pick in the 1965 MLB draft, the first ever MLB draft out of Arizona State, Rick Monday. Rick Monday was the original Oakland Athletics center fielder. He came up originally in Kansas City, but when the A's moved to Oakland, he was entrenched there, and for four seasons, from 68 to 71, he was the guy. He was an all-star in 1968. He hit 290 in 1970, and in 1971, an A's team that made the playoffs, he led the A's with 18 home runs. I mean, Rick Monday, he – you talk about the young A's stars, the Rick – you know, Sal Bando, Reggie Jackson – Joe Rudy, Gene Tennis, Rick Monday was one of them. He was one of these guys who came up to the system. Now, unfortunately, he was also the first one to lead, as the A's knew they needed to fortify their starting rotation going into the 72 season. And they made it a big deal at the time. They traded Rick Monday to the Cubs to get Ken Holtzman. And I think we can all agree it was a very successful trade, very successful for the A's, and good for Rick Monday. I and mean, he played a long time, he played until 1984. Uh, he played with the Cubs. He played with the Dodgers. And big moments, obviously saving the American flag from being burned at Dodger Stadium uh, when he was with Chicago. And then when he's with the Dodgers in 81, hitting the big home run to beat the Expos in the playoffs and put the Dodgers in the World Series. Uh, big moments in his career. Still a Dodger broadcaster. Uh, but for the A's, the original A's center fielder, Rick Monday.
0: Yeah, pretty incredible. He'll always go down. The very first ever draft pick in Major League Baseball. I mean, that's something that you know. Years from now, when he's passed and in, in the Baseball Hall of Fame, he'll always be that guy. And and, and you know, with all your work in, in the Pac-12 that you do, so you know the college baseball and you know the Pac-12 real well. And I remember, uh, God, I probably was a freshman, went down to play uh, Arizona State, and uh, where they used to play on campus. And I remember right. when you go Acker on, you go onto their field, and there it's 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 Sal Bando, it's Reggie Jackson, it's Rick Monday. They had all these names, right? Barry Bonds, Mike Devereaux. Right. They had some, but it's amazing how many great A's were Arizona State Sun Devils.
1: Yeah, you know, and Charlie Finley at the time, he really had his his eyes on Arizona State. Bobby Winkles, the head coach, and Bobby Winkles would later coach with the A's and be a manager for the A's. Um, he knew what a good program that was there. And he's going to pick those players. Do you know what? If you picked an Arizona State Sun Devil from the late 60s, early 70s, you were getting a major league-ready baseball player. And and Charlie Finley did a tremendous job there.
0: And you think about Kenny Holtzman. He's not going to be in the Hall of Fame. But I got to tell you, out of any A all-time Oakland A's, did anyone pitch more big games than him?
1: No, and we've talked about it before. In the three World Series in the 70s, who was your game one starter in all three? It was Ken Holtzman. I just And you knew he took the mound, he was going to work quick, he was going to throw fastballs, and he was going to get out. And he could also hit it a little bit, as he showed in the 73 and 74 World Series with the bat. Ken Holtzman was a tremendous Oakland athletic and a real, real huge reason. It kind of gets pushed down why they won three World Series.
0: Number six.
1: Number six is Terrence Long.
0: T. Long, wow.
1: T. Long checks in at number six. Now, he was one of the first, you know, big Billy Bean acquisitions uh, in 1999. The A's acquired him from the Mets for Kenny Rogers, who was a solid A's left-handed starter. Um, And Terrence Long playing center field in 2000. It's 288, 18 homers, 80 RBIs, 34 doubles. How about that for a rookie season? I mean, that is a solid rookie season, and he ended up finishing second in the Rookie of the Year to Katsuhiro Sasaki, the closer of the Mariners. Now, 2001, he kind of split his time, as we talked about. He started in center, and then they moved him to right when they moved Johnny Damon to center, and then they moved him to left after the A's got Jermaine died. Jermaine Still played very well, played in every game, hit .283. 2002, he moves back to center field and hits two forty. So you see his average is going down, and he needs to do something. And in 2003, he ends up moving more to the corners, and uh, Chris Singleton takes over in center field. But you look back at Terrence Long, postseason 2000, game three, he's homering off El Duque in the playoffs in Yankee Stadium. 2001, let's go back to Yankee Stadium. He homers twice in game one, off Clemens, off Hitchcock. hits 389 in the series. 2002, he homers again, game three at Minnesota. You know? He's one of only eight players in Oakland history with four or more career postseason home runs. There's only eight players, and the A's have played a lot of postseason games since they moved to Oakland, and he's only one of eight who hit four or more. Terrence uh, Long, I know there are some people who still remember the last out of the 0-3 playoffs against the Red Sox and looking at third strikes and Derek Lowe, and we all understand that. But Tiu Long also had some big moments. And maybe defensively, his biggest was robbing Manny Ramirez at Fenway Park in 2002, going over the wall and shocking everybody with an unbelievable catch to win that game. Key Long's number
0: six. Number five, top center fielders all time for the Oakland Athletics.
1: Number five, another A's, Billy Bean acquisition, and a tremendous guy, still in the organization today. There's probably going to be a manager at some point, and that's Mark Kotze. Uh, Mark Kotze came over. Uh, again, traded from the Padres to the A's in exchange for Terrence Long and Ramon Hernandez, uh, a former first-round pick of the Marlins in 1996. I mean, he was a great, great college player at Fullerton. Uh, he was a 1995 Golden Spike winner. Uh, he was, they won the national championship that year. He was an outfielder and a closer. Uh, this is just a baseball player. And he came to the A's in a time, kind of in those in-between years, right, from the early 2000s before the 2006 season, Um, but he was just so such a ball player that the A's really needed in that time. In 2004, he hits 314 with 15 homers, 2005, 280 with 15 homers, and then 2006, a playoff year, right? He's hitting 275, battling injuries, but getting out there and then maybe having one of the biggest hits of the playoffs in 2006 in the ALDS, game two, game tied, 2-2 in the top of the seventh. Mark Kotze, an inside-the-park home run of Denny Reyes. Inside the park. Mark, you can still see him flying around, his shirt tail hanging out, going into home plate, just a mess once he gets there. Unbelievable what Kotze meant to those A's teams in the early 2000s.
0: Yeah, it looks like at some point he's going to get a shot at being a manager in Major League Baseball, and I think we'll all be fired up for that. What do we got next? Number four, Billy North. Billy North was acquired from
1: the A's before the 73 season from the Cubs for Bob Locker. Now, you've got to look back in 1972. Uh, the A's really didn't have that go-to center fielder. Reggie Jackson played a lot of center field in 72. He also had Angel Manguel and George Hendricks, a couple guys we talked about. Uh, but Reggie, you know, he gets hurt in the 72 playoffs against the Tigers. The A's go into the World Series. And they got George Hendricks playing out there, a little bit of Angel Mangrove, but they're lacking. They know they need a center fielder because they also know that Reggie is, a, is a, you know, a natural right fielder. So they acquired Billy North, who kind of had his problems with the Cubs attitude-wise, that he wasn't a big favorite. But, you know, Charlie Finley loved speed. And the one thing Billy North had was speed. And pairing him at the top of the order with Campy Campanaris, and now you've got two speed demons who are just ready to go off. And you look back at Billy in 1973, 53 steals. In 74, he leads the league with 54. 75, he only has 30, but he comes back in 76, leads the league again with 75 steals. Uh, just a demon on the bases. Uh, he also, you know, in 1973, he led the AL, the center fielders, with 15 outfield assists. From 73 to 76, he recorded more putouts than any other outfield in baseball this was a very good defender get very good speed guy switch hitter again top of the order with campy Um, in 73 he sprains his ankle near the end of the season actually misses the postseason so when we talk about the a's winning the world series in 72 they won it without reggie in 73 they won it without billy north their everyday center fielder 74 They had their entire team, and that's one reason they beat the Dodgers in only five games, because that team in 74 was fantastic with everybody healthy. And Billy North, along with Campy, at the top of the order, big reasons why the A's were winners.
0: And Ray Fossey reminds us they only used five pitchers that entire series. Just absolutely incredible. All right, we're down to our top three center fielders in A's, Oakland A's history with our A's historian, Dave Feldman Feldy, number three.
1: Coco Crisp, number three all-time center fielder in Oakland history. You know, he played seven seasons with the A's from 2010 to 2016. Now, his A's career got off to a little bit of a bad start as he fractured his pinky in the Bay Bridge Series game against the Giants. Uh, And really, injuries were an issue throughout his career. You look back at it, he had issues with his finger, he had an ear infection, he had hamstring issues. At one point, he had elbow surgery. But Coco Crisp, when the A's were winners, a big reason for that was the play that Chris did on the field. I mean, he had 22 homers in 2013. Um, you look back at 2012, game one, what does he do against Justin Verlander, first batter of the game? We off home run. How about game four of that same series? The walk-off single in the ninth, capping off an A's comeback. Uh, 213, had another big postseason, hitting 389. Uh, two doubles, a triple, three walks. Just a factor. A good outfielder you know, Coco Chris was a really good outfielder. It didn't have an arm. And that was the one thing that was, was troublesome, right? Cause you, everybody could run on him, but if the ball was in the air, there was a good chance he was going to catch it. And for those years from 2010 to 2016, when he was healthy, Coco Chris was a very, very good center fielder for the A's.
0: And a part of the A's broadcast team now.
1: He is a delight to listen to with Korak and, and Vinny, um, you know, Bringing us that more modern perspective, that player perspective, which I think is important, because Coco he knows baseball, and again, being in center field, a center fielder, and being a captain of the team, uh, Coco sees a lot of things, and he knows a lot about the game. Number two. So one and two were tough for me, and I had to I had to pick, but uh, number two goes to one of my favorite players growing up, uh, six-time Gold Glove winner Dwayne Murphy. I loved Murph. I love the way he played center field. I love that he played shallow, daring you to hit the ball over his head because he knew he could get back. There was no question he was going to get back and catch the ball. He was, again, a six-time gold glove winner in center field from 80 to 85. Uh, And he became a good offensive player. In 1980, he had number two in the order behind Ricky. Uh, He had 274. He had a 384 on base behind Ricky. He had 100 walks of himself. 26 steals, only 13 homers, and that was one thing that Billy Martin and the A's really wanted to see from Murph was more home runs. You know, he was, had those broad shoulders, kind of had a football player's body, and they thought there could be more power from him. And, and it started to come. As he got older, in 82, he had 27 homers. In 84, he had a career-high 33. Uh, again, he was captain. Captain's Wayne Murphy. Uh, always, always falling off, off his big throw as he's running in center field, catching everything. Um, you know, his knees started to get to him and started to slow down a little bit later in his career. But he would wrap those things up and get out in the outfield and play and still play shallow. And, and one of my, my favorite memories was the A's when they started the 81 season, right, with the 11-game winning streak. They started on the road, four-game sweep in Minnesota, and then they go to Anaheim to play the Angels. And a rookie for the Angels by the name of Tom Burdansky, who would go on to have a tremendous career. Tom Burdansky is a long fly to center field. Way back, way back, as Lon Simmons would call it. And Murphy jumps up at the wall, reaches over, and then crumbles at the bottom of the wall. And no one knew, was it gone? Did he catch it? And there's Tom Burdanski thinking it's his first major league home run. He's rounding second. He's ready to high-five the third baseman. And all of a sudden, Murphy slowly gets up, opens his glove. There's the ball. Third base coach has to grab Tom Bernanski as he's rounding third and pull him off the bases to let him know that he was out. A classic Murph moment because he was so cool in center field. Nothing ever seemed to faze him. I love Dwayne Murphy.
0: I don't remember what year it was. It was in the early 90s. There was a ton of A's on the All-Star team, and they were booing them in Toronto. It was then the Skydome, obviously the battles that the Jays had had with the A's. And the one guy who was in the starting lineup for the A's, and he didn't get booed, they announced Dave Henderson. And Dave Henderson comes that little where he had, his, he had his hands right under his armpits and he had that little run that he had. He looked right into the camera and said, they don't boo the Hindu. I will never forget that. They were booing everybody else, but you don't boo Dave Henderson. Number one center fielder, all-time Oakland A's. Yeah,
1: Hendu has to be. I mean, what he was the glue to that championship team. All right, Signed as a free agent before the 88 season. You know, we had an okay time with, with the Mariners when he came up. Obviously, big moments with the Red Sox in the postseason in 86. Finished the 87 season with the Giants, and he was bringing Dave Henderson to replace Dwayne Murphy. And, okay, all he does is go out and hit a career-high 304, 24 bombs, 94 RBIs. 8.87 OPS, and Tony Larusa puts him second in the batting order, second. I was a guy with a, that type of production, 24 homers, 94 runs down, he's going to bat him second. And Tony, he wanted that pitcher, the opposing pitcher, to have to face the toughest hitters in the first inning. So in an team, this is before Ricky, so he a lot of the times he'd bat off Carney, then he'd go Hendu, then he'd go Canseco, and then he'd go McGuire. Think about that, having to face those guys to start off the game. And and Hendu stayed in that two-spot even when the A's brought in Ricky because, again, Hendu being a fastball hitter and with Ricky on base all the time, Hendu was going to see a lot of fastballs, and he was going to kill it. Uh, And he was so clutch. just Hendu had that way about him. We already saw it in the 86 playoffs with the Red Sox, but, you know, in the 88 ALCS against the the Sox, he's 375. Game two, he makes a big error. Let's the Red Sox take the lead. And, but you knew he was going to make up for it, and he does. He comes up the next inning, leads off with a single against Clemens, Canseco homers, and there we go. The A's are off and running. And, and in a World Series that the A's did not hit at all, Hendu hit 300, including a four-hit game in Game 4. And then the all-time to me, the Hendu quote, right? 1989 World Series, the A's win Game 1 and 2, but Hendu goes 0 for 6. So they're asking Hindu before game three, before the earthquake, obviously. They're, you know, 0 for 6, are you worried or are you struggling? And Hindu, again, looks at the camera and goes, 0 oh, for 6? I go 0 for 6 all the time. Why would I be worried? Boom, game three, when it finally does resume, three for four, two homers. Hindu. Hindu. And, of course, what the fans. How many players have you seen have two fan clubs? Most guys just struggle to get one fan club hendu has got two out in the bleachers. He has Hendu Land, and he's Hendu's Bad Boy Club. And he was, just, he was awesome to watch, a tremendous human being. We lost him too soon, and it's a loss for baseball, a loss for his family, because he was so fantastic. Dave Henderson, number one all-time center fielder.
0: All righty, let's go down once again. Top ten center fielders in Oakland A's history.
1: Number ten, a tie, Willie Wilson and Johnny Damon. Number nine, Ernie Young. Number eight, Rajay Davis. Number seven, Rick Monday. Number six, Terrence Long. Number five, Mark Topse. Number four, Billy North. Number three, Coco Crisp. Number two, Dwayne Murphy. And number one, the all-time center fielder in Oakland Athletics history, Dave Henderson.
0: You've been listening to Green and Gold History right here on A's Cast, powered by TuneIn.
1: This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.